now, coming to you from Wembley Stadium's Auxiliary Parking Lot, <laughs> it's time for the 2022 Motorsport 101 Awards! Introducing your hosts, Cam Buckley, RJ O'Connell, and your Master of Ceremonies, Trey Harrison! Hey, thank you, thank you everybody, hey, thank you, you're a wonderful audience. Hey, try the veal, try the veal. Good evening everybody, welcome to the seventh annual, kind of, Motorsport 101 Awards show. Thanks for joining us here. It's a crowded podium of us co-hosts on the show. It's like Top Gear's award show. We just we just have all these podiums and we're all gathered around. I've, I'm even wearing a, a very, very obnoxious suit jacket to get through this show. But here we are, folks, for the 7th M101 Awards, where we celebrate the best and quite often the worst of motorsport in the year of our Lord, 2020, part three. Uh, with me as ever is our esteemed co-host, RJ O'Connell. Good to see you, big man. Good to see you too. Wow, we made it through another year. I made it through another year of doing this on top of like seeing a lot of places in America that I had never seen before as part of my motor racing travels. But we made it somehow. We made it. We we got through it in the end. We survived, and that's the most important thing. And I'd like to think the best part was the friends we made along the way. Also, you guys made friends. Well, I lost many more than anything else, but hey, who's counting? <laughs> also, we have our TMZ reporter outside the venue, Cam Buckley. Hello, how's it going, big man? That might be the worst disrespect I've ever received on this show. <laughs> that is incredible. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. That's what you get for dissing my Lakers last night. One all, Buckley. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, maybe maybe don't miss your free throws. You, know? <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, etc. You miss <laughs> most of the ones you do take. Okay, we're not having ourselves an Academy Awards slap moment before we even give out our first award. <laughs> We will try. Keep my Lakers out your fucking mouth, Buckley. Um, okay, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> before we get started on the awards, let's tell the people where they can find us. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 1. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 1. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore Despite all best efforts from, from the rich guy, mm. you're still yeah. on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. For now, but in case in case the uh, bolded man in chief decides to block us all, um, <laughs> P.S. Fuck Elon Musk. Um, but we're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore one hundred one. If you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison one hundred one HD and RJ O'Connell and at C Buckley nine one seven. We're on our website Motorsport one hundred one dot com as well as on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport one hundred one. Five bucks gets you early access. To all of our shows before they go live to the public, 10 gets you into our supporters club where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded, except for this edition, because this is probably going to be the final show we record before Christmas. We decided to let everyone in the Discord server in on this one. So shout out to Jason, James, Toki. I see Dom in here too. 
Hope you guys enjoy the show and the rare executive privilege of being in the studio when we record this one. So we thought we'd invite a literal live studio audience to, to break this down. Ooh, ooh, do ooh. we get a laugh track with it? Oh, I might have to download some from the interwebs. Uh, we'll have to. We'll, we'll figure that out later. We'll, we'll borrow them from Two and a Half Men. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later because someone had to laugh at Charlie Sheen's jokes. Anyway, shall we get into the award ceremony, fellas? That man was one of the Cleveland Guardians' best pitchers, and he helped them win that wild card game against the Yankees. <laughs> that I remember. That's a movie. But uh, I think we should start by introducing an award that for many, many years, if you've listened to us, this has been known as the Scotty Award. This is the Scott McLaughlin Memorial. He's not actually dead, but he is with us in spirit at all times award for the best overtaking maneuver in all of motorsports. Well, this is the part where I would normally talk about our set of nominees, but well, I think, I think there's going to be some honorable mentions more than anything else here, because this is pretty conclusive. Just to, to, to clarify before the format, we asked you, the viewing public, to send in your ballots via the medium of Twitter and social media. The nominations were picked up by our esteemed panel of friend of the show, Jason Polden. Thanks again, buddy, for putting the, uh, the nominations together. Jason did a phenomenal job, as he does every year. But, um, yeah, uh, we get to decide between the nominated uh, selections. And in the event of a fight or a tie break, I apparently get cast in vote. <laughs> and uh, generally, I will go with the will of the people over this one. So we'll have to wait and see how we go. This is the Golden Melon Award for Best Overtake. We may have renamed it because I think you can see where this is going. Um, the nominees are Fabio Quadraro and Jack Miller at MotoGP in Austria. Uh, good shout there. Uh, that, that was a critical pass for second place in Fabio's uh, falling apart title bid, not that we knew it at the time. Alicia Spagaro's double overtake on Brad Binder and Jack Miller at MotoGP in Assen. A quality pass, if I do say so myself. Charles Leclerc on Lewis Hamilton at Formula One's British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which any other year it probably wins <laughs> because, uh, well, hard tires and front wing damage around the outside of cops. <laughs> and in any other year, this any would have won the award. But Comfortably. There is a reason why this award, once known as the Scotty Award, has a new name. As why it is the easiest award that we have ever given out. One hundred percent, the winner of the Golden Melon Award, and I, I love how Jason wrote it in the nomination because he's absolutely right. Ross Chastain's wall ride over five bozos at NASCAR at Martinsville. Yeah. Well we done, Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain could not be here to pick up his award, um, but I can go pick up a watermelon from the nearby supermarket and uh, maybe like craft a paper trophy and that'll be good enough. That, that works. No, just, uh, just, just throw the watermelon on the ground, pick some up and start eating it. Yeah, that works. That definitely works. I mean, it is one of the most highly nominated single ballots we've ever had on the M101 Awards. 11 of you. Put Ross Chastain's overtake, including uh, James Galantis, our friend and yours, Lewis Sudderby, Krista Harde, me, RJ, all of us on the show said so. Uh, Sasha as well, Daniel Montiero, all put Ross Chastain's worldwide 
in there. Eleven of you nominated that. It's it, it was a landslide. We couldn't ignore the will of the house on this one, and rightly so. It's probably the greatest overtake I have ever seen. It was a video game in real life. It was the real, genuine, viral moment that NASCAR, I think, has been looking for for years, it's made an overnight start out of Ross Chastain, who would go on to finish runner-up in the championship this year. Uh, an incredible rookie season by Ross Chastain, and a moment that will go down in the sports history. Not quite his rookie forever. season, but it was his breakout year at the cup level. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. Championship runner-up on the year, and like I said, a moment that will probably go down in NASCAR folklore forever. I can still hear very the country music on the top. <laughs> and very importantly, given the lineage of that team, along with the fact that it's Kind of an amalgamation of like six different NASCAR teams. He did it for Dale. He did it for Dale. It's a stretch, but it's true. It is a trick. <laughs> now let's got, get to the hard uh, ones. Oh, yeah. Okay. Next up is the Race of the Year Award. The well, This one's pretty straightforward. What you thought was the best race of 2022? And, well, we got some nominees here, folks. We have the Indianapolis 500. A, a, a fun 500, I think, we'll, I think we'll all say. Marcus Erickson bringing it home for Chip Ganassi Racing. We have the Formula One American Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. because We have to clarify because there's two now. But, uh, yeah, um, Cota on the nomination is for F1. Solid race. Solid race, indeed. Very good race, I'd actually argue. The more I look and think about it, the more I think that race was actually really good. Um, another former nomination, the British Grand Prix, which might be the best final 10 laps of a Grand Prix you'll ever see. Um, incredible action there. Um, and MotoGP at Phillip Island. A, a classic on this show. <laughs> I feel like it's, it gets nominated every year, but for good reason. Yes. Phillip Island is just the best damn track on the calendar in MotoGP. It is. It just it just is, isn't it? I mean, I mean, gentlemen, those are your nominations. I mean <laughs> this is actually, I think, a bit closer than I'd like to give it credit for. Because I think Cota uh for F1 was actually, I think, quite an underrated race. And I'm not saying that just because I was there on behalf of racefans.net with biased. the hard card and everything. Biased. But it was, okay, it was a little bit biased. And yeah, both bit. these Formula One races did have pretty gnarly accidents. Uh, at Silverstone, we had the side of Zhou Guan Yu uh, skidding on his dome and flipping up and over, wedging between the tire barriers. And then a and then a track invasion happened. It was weird, but we got a good race, a damn good race out of it in the end. The final oh, yeah. ten laps, especially. But for my Who money's goes money, Hamilton. Yeah, oh, that was up. the pass from that British Grand Prix that did not make our honorable mentions list. Somehow, Coda <laughs> to me was. I mean, yeah, uh, admittedly I'm biased, but it was. But with time, you watch it back, like this is a good race. That duel between Hamilton and Verstappen, you think. Does Verstappen have enough time to catch up after a terrible, terrible pit stop? And it turns out that he does. And that was the closest Lewis Hamilton came to winning a race all year. Oh, and by the way, Sebastian Vettel rolled back the clock for arguably his finest performance in his farewell season. Oh, yeah. I say it wasn't just the fight for the lead. We also had great battling throughout the entire field. Oh, yeah. Um, we had uh, 
one of our biggest bozo moments of the year with Lance Stroll deciding to throw a NASCAR <laughs> chop block on Fernando Alonso. Beautiful. Um, and just in general, the whole vibe around that race, mm. it just was it was enjoyable from start to finish. Unless you were Carlos Sainz, in which <laughs> you just suffered. Yeah, yeah, that was his race lasted about fifteen seconds. Um, yeah, fun times. Um, F1 at Silverstone, that's going to be worth a mention. I mean, it was already carnage purely because of Ferrari incompetence. Because, hey, we all know that Haunts at its Hauntsist provides great drama. And uh, the genuine hope that Lewis Hamilton could have won one of these for the year. And then Ferrari decided, we're going to keep the, uh, we're going to keep the slower man in front. <laughs> and it actually kind of worked, but massively alienated the team. <laughs> and then carnage at the end of the race. <laughs> Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris, and more all going to war for the final spot on the podium. What a race that was, huh? What a, that was probably F1's best race of the year. It's up there, I would say. F1 had some good races, by the way. We we're for, we Formula One's the biggest form of motorsport. Of course, we love to dunk on it when it's tepid or just downright terrible. There was some good ass racing in 2022. Don't let don't let the fans of a particular driver on Twitter fool you. These <laughs> regulations did work. Absolutely. And the on-track racing was significantly better than it has been in the last few years. Okay, gentlemen, what's your pick? United States Grand Prix, Formula One. Cam? And we haven't even talked about it. Phillip Island for MotoGP. And a year where MotoGP really did not have great on-track action as a result mm. of the bikes just going supernova with all their technology this race was good this race was good it was let's not let's not forget the top seven was decided by 0.8 of a second we had seven riders going to war at the front oh yeah it wasn't quite as insane as it was in 2015 where all of the riders involved were all passing each other every two corners Mm. but damn Alex Rins, Pecco and Mark Marquez all going apeshit on one another. All of this in an event that we were probably fearing was never going to happen, considering the forecast called for extreme rain. Yeah. Yeah, we dodged a bullet with that one. Massively. <laughs> so, it's going to go down to me on the tiebreaker. And, uh... Tough call. I was leading towards Silverstone, but... You can't beat a MotoGP race at Phillip Island. It's just, it's 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 the premium vintage. It's when you break out the whiskey in in the trunk for a special occasion. So the winner of the race of the year goes to MotoGP's Phillip Island race. I'm I'm gonna draw a uh, I'm gonna draw a picture of Phillip Island from memory, and then I'm gonna draw it with like arms and legs, and it's gonna be holding up a trophy. Yes. <laughs> Is Philip Island having a trophy of itself? Like it, it's a bit like it's a bit like how in Robot Wars you used to have the challenge belt where if you won it three times in a row you got to keep it. <laughs> like at, at, at this point, Philip Island should just keep the award at this point. Yo, they should make in Robot Wars, they should make the robots try and wear the belts. They should put them around it like like they have waist where they can wear it like a belt. 
Yes, great idea. I'll get on that. I'm going to call up Craig Charles for a reboot. Um, another reboot. In the meantime... Next award. Next award. The most improved award. The person or institution making the biggest step forward between seasons. This is going to be an interesting one. The nominees are Mayor Shank Racing over in the world of IMSA. We have Marcus Ericsson in, from IndyCar. We have Anea Bastianini from MotoGP. And we have Scott McLaughlin also in IndyCar. Now, this is going to be a very interesting contest, I think, folks. Um, Cam, I'll, I can reveal that you did indeed choose Mayor Shank Racing. Why was that? Um, flashback to our coverage of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Mm. An event that uh, you may meet some of us at next year. Maybe. Let's see, we're working on that right now. Mm. Um, Former host of this show, one Mr. Ryan Eric King, referred to Meyer Shank Racing as the other Acura team. Oh. <laughs> uh, and with good reason. In 2021, they just had a really anonymous year, um, especially while Wayne Taylor Racing, the other runner of the Acura ARX 05, rest in peace, um, they were cleaning up left and right. They won a bunch of races. They won the Rolex 24 in 2021. <laughs> And overall, just looked a superior team. Well, Meyer Shank Racing took that personally. <laughs> proceeding to win the Rolex 24 in that very same stream. And then go on to win the series championship. Safe to say, decent improvement. Big, big improvement. Indeed. And Aya Bastianini over in MotoGP, I mean, one of the most genuine emotional moments of the motorsport year was that first win in Qatar. Um, a, hist a historic win. The first win ever for a woman-owned team in MotoGP history. Nadia Padovani and uh, the Grassini Racing Team, their first win in 16 years. And that was one of four that Bastianini have, would have over the course of the season. And the Mans took a step up from fringe podium sitter to genuine title contender over the course of 2022. He was my nomination for this one because uh, Anea Bastianini pretty much went from sixth in the pecking queue at uh, Ducati to factory rider for next year and a genuine contender for the title. Um, man's, man's made huge strides in MotoGP and he's going to be one to watch in 2023. No doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, I mean, he basically went from kind of an also-ran for much of the time up to this point to basically being Peko light. Oh, yeah. With all the good and bad connotations that come with that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. So, we also got Marcus Erickson here. The guy that we all thought was just a pay driver goes and wins the Indy 500 and leads the championship pretty much all the way to the final three rounds. Marcus Erickson, if he never goes on to accomplish anything else in the world of IndyCar, will always have the pleasure of introducing himself as an Indianapolis 500 champion. They, he got his face on the trophy and everything. Mm. It, it just goes to show that sometimes you're the wrong driver in the wrong place at the wrong time. That was most of his F1 career. Here in IndyCar... At least for one magical day, he was exceptional when he needed to be. 
And yeah, it, he was just consistent all the way through the year like he has been before. And he he just ran out of puff at the end of the season, but still a, a very, very solid set, um, third year in the series for Ericsson. Um, just very, very impressive all round. Did a very solid job in the number eight car when at one point Chip's, Chip's team was not looking the best at one point. And uh, yeah, Marcus found a way to get it done. And we've got to mention Scott McLaughlin. Mike, what a talent this man is. Um, I'll tell you what, if Scott McLaughlin decided he just wanted to stay in supercars, he would go chase down all of Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup and Peter Brock's records in Australian touring cars, and he would probably smash them with time still to go in his career. But he wanted to try something different. Roger Penske wanted him to try something different. He switched to IndyCar. His first full season, he only won Rookie of the Year because he was the only rookie that ran every race. And it was tough for him in his first year. So now we're thinking, what does he have in his second full season? Oh, he goes out and wins the season opener against the defending series champion. And then very he casually. does it very casually. Then he goes and it comes within a corner of going back to back to open the season. Then he holds, then he wins another close one in mid-Ohio. And then he beats the brakes off of everybody in Portland. The only thing that really stopped him from being a title contender at the very end was just a rough month of May when he didn't need one. But but that's over. that was the case for the whole of Team Penske, mm. who are now just the Indy 500. The month of May is Team Penske's weakness. Imagine saying that four or five years ago. Right? It's a weird vibe. Gentlemen, your final pick. <sighs> Cam, you are you, oh. you, you, st- you sticking with Shank? <sighs> Look, I know there's a I'm lot of with. there's a lot of votes. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, I'm a stick with Shank. RJ, I'm sticking with Scotty Mack, the man who is going to dunk so many chicken nuggets into so many trophies. He's going to somersault off of so many cars, and him and Joseph Newgarden are probably going to have another entertaining season of Bus Bros to come. Maybe it comes with an Indianapolis 500 win for either one of them. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I said Anaya Bastianini, so we had three different picks on this occasion, but I will go with the will of the house on this occasion. The most nominated candidate out there was Scott McLaughlin. So the winner of the most improved driver of the year is Scott McLaughlin, everybody. Walker in the first. Give it some jandal. And say something that you probably couldn't say before 9 p.m. on most television networks. Next up, the Antoine Hubert Award for the Rookie of the Year. So this is going to be a big one here. Um, Rookie of the Year. And the nominees are IndyCar's David Malukas. Uh, We have Zhou Guan Yu in Formula One. We have another IndyCar uh, driver. We have Christian Lungard, the actual Rookie of the Year in the end in their series. And we have Marco Bezzecchi over in MotoGP as well. So this is a tight one, folks. I think this is going to be a genuinely hard one to call. Yeah. This, of um, course, uh, not to be confused with Formula 2's Antoine Hubert Award, uh, named in honor of the late Renault Sport Academy prospect who perished in a racing accident in 2019. They named their Rookie of the Year award uh, in his honor. We named our Rookie of the Year award in his honor. And it was just one of those strange coincidences. But here we are, the M101 Antoine Hubert Award. Um, 
I personally nominated off the board uh, because I know that sports car racing is not one of our main focuses, but I did want to give a shout out to Ashton Harrison, GT World Challenge America champion, the first woman to win a full season title in that series in the Pro-Am category and still very, very young in her GT3 racing career. Um, so fantastic. I got to see her race all season. It was great. Um, of the nominees that are on the board, my heart leans towards Marka Bezecchi because of all the MotoGP people on this panel, I was the only one with the foresight and the courage to go out and say Marka Bezecchi <laughs> was going to finish as the top rookie in the MotoGP World Championship. And then he did that shit. He did. Going full smug. Oh, yeah. I, I can't say I'm surprised here, but <laughs> I mean, he did call it. I mean, look, I picked Fabio Quattararo. Oh, God, sorry. Look, right. Fabio DG Antonio. That did not go well for me. We're aggressively incorrect. Oh, horrible time. Bears makes a very strong case. He had a pole position in Thailand. He had multiple podium finishes on the year. And just in general, you know, was right up there with Luca Marini right off the bat, who is far more experienced in the top flight in general. Bez was very impressive. Um, David Malukas, obviously the standout for him will most likely be, you know, Gateway. Gateway. And um, that, well, that race was one lap longer. He probably wins it. Um, I thought probably from that. I think he does. Yeah. And it, mm. it was an interesting dynamic because IndyCar Rookie of the Year came down to the wire, Laguna Seca, between two drivers and David Malukas, who comes from the American background. And remember, was not even the most hype prospect coming out of Indy Lights this offseason. That honor nope. went to Kyle Kirkwood, who not even his talents could elevate AJ Foyt racing out of the cellar. David Malukas uh, really impressed with a well-rounded approach when it came to road and street and oval courses. Christian Lungard isn't quite that well-rounded on the ovals and super speedways, but on road and street courses and especially permanent road courses, damn dude, good. He, al he already looks like a race winner. And if IndyCar's uh, post-race scrutineering standards were a bit stricter, he probably wins the Brickyard Grand Prix in August. Yeah, phenomenal race. He, he was, the, was the, he was the first legal car across the line. Let's yeah. put it that way. He he was the only guy who who was able to run with Rossi all day, and we all know how good Rossi is. We all know how illegal Rossi's car was. <laughs> Water bottle and all. Um. So yeah, like I Christ kid, I kid. Yeah, Chris Christian Lingard was superb on uh, road and street courses and IndyCar this year. Joe Guan Yu. I'll say it's a bright spot in an otherwise pretty mm. dismal year for uh, RLL. Uh, RLL. <laughs> so, Easy for we, me to say. Was, was, was your tongue stuck for a second there, Cam? <laughs> what a what a train wreck of a team this year. But him, pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like, we've got to give Joe Guan Yu a little mention. He was fine as a rookie this year. Um, you know, shout out to James Calantis who nominated him. I think he was very generous. Um, but he, he made the list and that is worth acknowledging. So gentlemen, who are we going with here? I got to stick heart, with Bez. I got to stick with Bez too. Well, that that settles it then. Nian von Huber, Rookie of the Year Award. He was my pick as well. Marco Bezecchi in MotoGP, everybody. Well done, Bez. Your prize for the winning the Wiki of the Year award is a haircut.
Uh, next award up is the Floppy Award. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. The biggest disappointment over the year of motorsport. And this year, there is many. <laughs> there is many a name here. But we, we had to narrow it down to four. The nominees for the Floppy Award. Mercedes Formula One team. <laughs> what? Imagine, imagine to start the year, them being on this list. We have Repsol Honda's MotoGP team. That what? was a little bit more believable at the start <laughs> of the season. Oh, boy. We have Andretti Autosport. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And we have... You know him, you love him. It's the haunts themselves. It's Scuderia Ferrari. <laughs> now uh, this, th th this just gonna end up in a bar fight. <laughs> this, this, this is a truly <laughs> potent cauldron of disappointment. Oh boy, where do we even start on this one? We'll go from left to right. So we'll go Mercedes first. Performance advantage. Locked in for years. Oh, a tweet which will live in infamy. Uh, well, if you follow Formula One, if you followed Formula One for the last couple of years, you know how this went down. Um, we had all new regulations this year. We had a new driver lineup at Mercedes with Valtteri Bottas being replaced by the much hyped, and I'd say he pretty much lived up to it, George Russell. Mm. Mercedes arrives on the at the first day of the second test with a moonshot of a car. Extraordinarily packaged. It has no side pods and oh, oh, oh god, what's it doing down the straight? Um, it's bouncing like a motherfucker. Boing, 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 all the way down. And it really didn't go well for Mercedes this year. Now, no. a third place in the championship with a win on the year. Some Formula One teams would kill for that kind of stat line. Mercedes-Benz just came off of eight consecutive World Constructors Championships. Yeah, there was uh, there was more bouncing going on with Mercedes F1 team than Mandy Rose's uh, fan page on oh, the internet. Oh, sweet Christ, Ray. She did not deserve to be fired because some people like that nerd from Recess decided to go snitch on yeah, yeah. Uh, just to say on a side note, sex work is real work. God damn it, respect them. Um, anyway. It's more real work than being the CEO of a fucking crypto firm. <laughs> with your own, <laughs> the with bar your own, is resting somewhere in hell. With right. your own signal chat that's titled "Wire Fraud." Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Moving can on. you tell? Can you tell who we're talking about? Can you tell when we're recording this? Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were pretty much awful all year. Big upgrade package at the end of the season did lift them back into the fight a little bit. They did grab a win in Brazil. Mm. And then all of that progress was crashed right back down to earth in the final race of the year where they just got absolutely curb stomped. Yeah, just piss poor in Abu Dhabi. And that's what did him in. Um, but uh, yeah, Repsol Honda. Oh, <laughs> Oh boy. It, they it, stink. <laughs> They're trash. <laughs> oh, they were horrible this year. Like it's it's like we'd accused Honda in the past of being the Mark Marquez wagon and um it was well, even worse this year. Yeah, they rebuilt the bike to make it more rideable for everyone else and developed a bike that no one can ride properly. 
great work. And then, oh, wait till you find out that Mar- Marquez's arm still isn't fixed. How not fixed was it? Um, it was bent 35 degrees to the right. Jesus fucking uh, half. Jeez, I felt phantom pain in my forearm just thinking about that. Yeah, and he just, was still their best rider. At the ratio of about two to one. <laughs> I, saw, I love that, that JB in our chat has gone. This is basically silver haunts, orange haunts, American haunts, and haunts haunts. Um, which is just, <laughs> which is just You're not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, Polar Spagaro was pretty piss poor this year. Alex Marquez got ran out of town. Um, and uh, Takanakagami existed. Um, uh, most of, well, some of them still exist. I mean, most of his right hand doesn't anymore. I mean, Jesus Taka- Christ. Takanakagami's season highlights was headbutting the rear wheel of a motorcycle and almost ripping his own fingers off. No, I'm, I'm being serious. And that's uh, really about as good as a god. I mean, uh, the highlight of the year was Mark Marquez climbing over the fence, dreaming the impossible dream, and ripping that bike to a second place in Phillip Island. He ripped it to a pole in Mategi. I know it's their home race, but still. Yeah, in the rain, too. I mean, just crazy stuff. It helped them in the rain, because in the dry, they were piss poor. Yeah, still finished fourth on the day. The Pol- worst manufacturer in MotoGP, Honda Motor Company. Comfortably. Yeah, their worst season in 40 years. Andretti. Oh, boy. Do we even start? Devlin Francesco, anonymous on his best days and probably in active danger on the track on his worst. Romain Grosjean, the true rookie of the year last year, if not by points, if not officially recognized, then by the job that he did as a rookie at Dale Coin Racing goes to a better team with more money and a bigger sponsorship. And after about... I'd say April, dude just falls off a cliff. Right. Alexander Rossi at least had a heater when he when he knew he was getting out of the team. And then Colton heard his season and potentially his Formula One aspirations uh, hung by the thread of a carb day practice accident that left him with a backup car that had to be withdrawn from the race itself because it couldn't maintain competitive speed because it was a danger to drive. Yeah. He at, least got a, he at least got a win at the uh, GMR Grand Prix uh, before the Indianapolis 500 with one of the best saves in motorsport of the year. Mm. That was Kansai that season highlight. Drifto. Mm. Yes, <laughs> uh, top driver in the championship, Rossi in ninth. Um, and there's a win here, two other podiums, and not a lot else. Yeah. Herda, a win, one other podium, not a lot else. And it just kind of gets worse from there. Um, they have, I, I think it's safe to say, they are no longer the third power in IndyCar. Yeah. McLaren is close. Over, McLaren's Mc- overtaken them. <laughs> oh, by a mile and a stretch. Yeah. I mean, Chip Ganassi Racing, other than the 500, were pretty mid all year. Mm. And they crushed Andretti. Yeah. Not ideal, to say the least. Um. Oh, yeah. A, a rough year. Um. For uh, for Andretti Autosport, to say the least. Um. And we've barely even mentioned the Mid Ohio bus stop. Ah, uh, yes. Because to top it all off, we also had active war between Grosjean and Rossi to the point where Rossi was act- was trying to take Grosjean out, and at some point, all four Andrettis hit each other. For once, Devlin De Francesco blameless in a multi-car accident 
<laughs> I mean, they're he was the most innocent of the crew. For for my money's worth, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty rough. You don't want to be the main character of a weekend, uh, which would eventually be followed up by a once in a generation contract dispute. I am out on the Nets nomination, by the way, uh, because Ferrari improved by every metric. But we don't measure Ferrari by second places. It's everything else that was the it was how they got there that was um that, that that I think is what's captivated so many people. This was not a bad car by all accounts. It was a, it was very a terrific car in the first half of the season. Yeah, it this was, was arguably the fastest car in Formula One. But like Ferrari had to find new and exciting ways to lose. They were the breaking bad meme of Walter in the lab inventing new ways to lose. So let me get this straight. They were strategically woeful. They cost yes. themselves a 1-2 at Monaco. Yep. They they lost two race wins off engine failures from comfortable leads. Um, w- w- one and a half, because Baku, they were on an alternate strat. They put the wrong car up front in Silverstone and nearly didn't win with either car anyway. Definitively. Uh, um, they developed the car towards Carlos Sainz, and that um, actually that actually didn't happen. What mm. ended up happening, actually, is Ferrari had so many spark plug problems that they had to detune the engines and then adjust their setups as a result, which butchered their tire wear. Yeah, and they got completely blown out by over two hundred points to Red Bull by the time this season was over. Um. Ferrari at times were a genuine laughing stock, and they they were. I, I cannot think of a team that has left more points on the table relative to what they could have scored ever. And it cost Matteo Bonotto his job. May his woes be many and his days few. And um, the best part is, how long do you think Frederick Vasseur is going to last in that team? <laughs> Good luck be- to him. <laughs> I like how it was basically his first statement is, well, it's not my job to find out where we did well. It's to find out where we fucked up. Boy, you are, your list will be long. It's it, it's like there is a three-foot hump under the carpet that needs to be addressed. Um, <laughs> he's going to have that CVS receipt of failures. He's got to <laughs> tilt the playing field a little bit more towards getting accountability in Ferrari, but not like the tyrannical kind, like uh, former Juventus chairman Mauricio Riva Benny, who's totally not under investigation for lots and lots of fraud, potentially. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Good, 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 good luck to them, too. Um, to which I say about Juventus, rest in piss, bozos. <laughs> uh, you can anyway. uh, you could send our complaints to at the brother Ryan on Twitter. Beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, where do we stand? This is going to be a genuinely hard one. Mercedes F1, Repsol Honda, Andretti Autosport, or Scuderia Ferrari, your pick for the floppy award. Gentlemen? On the principle of pre-existing expectations going into 2022 versus the performance that was met, it's Mercedes F1 for me. Ooh, Cam. They sacrificed much of 2020 and nearly all of 2021. They talked all that good shit for a year and a half. Their fans talked all that good shit right up until the first race. Their drivers talked that good shit right up until the first race. That advantage was never locked in. Mercedes-Benz Formula One team. 
Wow. I was going to go Repsol Honda. I was going to stick my pick and say And I wouldn't Honda. blame you. I uh, wouldn't blame you at all. Oh, you dodged a bullet on this one, Team Marquez. But uh, the winner of the floppy award, or should I say the loser of the floppy award, and it's very floppy indeed, Mercedes Formula One team, everybody. It's not just floppy, it's bouncy. Can I just say, um, well, I guess the award, um, I'm just going to draw it. Well, should I draw it? Should, should I draw just like a floppy phallus? Yes. Uh, uh, with a sad face. Uh, just, yeah, just, just, just. With, with, with a three pointed star tattoo on it. Yeah. No, just, with a three pointed star medal hanging around its neck. Yeah, just, <laughs> just give it the full, like, 13 year old high school treatment of just drawing a random cock and balls on the front of your, like, book cover. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 that's a very British thing, but that 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 happened a lot. Not um, as well for uh, for Yamaha as well. You barely missed the list, buddy. Oof. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The participation trophy is next up. It's the award given to a driver, rider, or team that was quote just there. Um, they existed, and and uh, we will give them minor credit for that very existence. Uh, the first nomination, which I actually quite like from Krista Harde here, IndyCar's marketing department. Um, which, which uh, <laughs> that is uh, very accurate, if I do say so myself. Um, we have Zhou Guan Yu by me, um, which I thought was uh, a bit mean, but here we are. Daniel Ricardo is is on the list. Um, maybe you made too much noise before the end of the season. And also, the entire Alpha Tauri team is on the list. So, who is winning the participation trophy, gentlemen? Damn. There's a lot of Formula One candidates here. Uh, I went with AlphaTauri. Um, they disappointed, but not to the degree of like a floppy award winner because like nobody is picking AlphaTauri to win the world championship, win the world constructors championship. Race wins for them are miracles from the heaven and earth. Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly, but um, but RJ, but they but they did the disappoint. We're not going to sit here and act like the expectation for them is wins or even podiums. Yeah, their expectation but is top of the top half of the midfield at the minimum. This is they not spent the minority. A fair that I, amount of 2021. They spent a couple races as best of the rest. They were legitimately in the in the fight for good points for most of the season. They had they got an arguably even more dominant engine from uh, I can't believe it's not Honda Racing Corporation. And all the car could do was go and fasten a straight line. They were terrible. They they made Pierre Gasly a perennial driver of the year candidate the last couple of years look pretty anonymous. Yuki Tsunoda had vast improvements on, on a lot of his good days. There were more good days for him, but what is it worth if he's not regularly featuring in the points? Not he's a, a whole point. lot. Daniel Ricciardo is on this list. I think Ricciardo made too much noise, but uh, I, I think was... actually Dre raises a great point. Daniel Ricciardo was not just there in the second half of the season because he took it upon himself to ruin things for others. He he, he went out sad. He plowed into Yuki Sonoda at Mexico, and then he took out Kevin Magnussen, the pole sitter in Brazil, on the way out and. Went, went on some city podcasts and went back on Barstool to celebrate, too. What a guy. Um, like, You know, actually, that, that is valid, Dre. And, man, Daniel Ricciardo, 
you know, we thought maybe it's just a 2021 car. You know, it's a total technical reset for 22. He was worse. He was so much worse this year. Oh, yeah. He was so bad. McLaren bought him out of his contract and kicked him aside. Yep. Then they dumped him for Oscar Piastri, who didn't even drive an F1 car this year. Not at full chat, anyway. No. Rough times. This was rough as hell. I've got to mention IndyCar's marketing department too, because that shit is funny as hell. And um, it's funny because it also it, they just announced this week they're going to increase their marketing budget because uh, they've had beef with the drivers over this, which I think is hilarious and very true. Their marketing department stinks. Um, you know how bad their marketing department stinks? They're just just their upper, just overall management. That they picked a hybrid supplier for the new regulations that has screwed the pooch so badly that for that that Chevy and Honda have had to step in and fix the hybrid units themselves to the point where it's distracted from the development of the new internal combustion engines, which have now been canceled as a result. The third engine manufacturer is a myth. They made it up. It's a made-up tale. <laughs> <laughs> we make enough clickbait videos about it happening. It's going to happen. Just you wait. Um, it's not going to happen. And there's a very good reason why IMSA just got a boatload of manufacturers kicking down their door to join. And IndyCar is sitting, playing around with the same two engine manufacturers that are still supporting too many engine leases because they can't get a third manufacturer to save their lives. But hey, they got a Netflix show coming out soon. It's not a Netflix show. It's a it's a cable reality show on the WB. Oh. And it's promoting the Indy 500 because fuck the rest of the series. The only thing that matters is the 500, which gets five million viewers a year already. Hilarious. Zhou Guan Yu was just there, but sometimes that's just all you need to be in your rookie season when you don't have any other rookie competition and your teammate is Valtteri Bottas. And you know what? He was fine. Good. He was fine. I expect more out of him next year. So the shame, the shame with Joe really is that mm -hmm. he had opportunities early on and the car let him down more than a few times. And by the time that they had worked out the reliability, Alpha was just not capable of scoring points regularly. The Antonio Giovinazzi story. Indeed. Worst scoring team in the second half of the year. By a mile. And uh, yeah, so who are we going to go for the participation trophy? You know me. I'm, I'm having a... I'm, go, I'm being consistent. I'm sticking with what I put on the ballot. I'm going with AlphaTauri as my participation cup winner. Cam? I'm going to swerve. I'm going to side with Mr. Christopher DeHardy on this one. I'm going to go with IndyCar's marketing department. <laughs> Ooh, I, I picked Joe Guan Yu. I get cast in votes. This is tough. I'm going to switch. I'm going to go with IndyCar's marketing department for the participation hey. trophy. <laughs> well done, Christopher. <laughs> Well done, Chris DeHarde. Um, he, he was the guy. He was the only person who put them on his banner, and he's got an award out of it. So, well done, Chris, for listening in and sending that in. Um, just be careful next time you're in Indianapolis. That's all I'm saying. There might, you might be sharing your hotel room with a, with a horse's head. Anyway, next up, you might is be sharing your hotel, your apartment with me one of these days. And what's and, that? 
Uh, and a horse's head. Um, so, next up, and is his this, wife. Next, <laughs> next up is this team of the year award, and it's the best team. And uh, we'll cut to the chase here on this one. We have Prima in Italian Formula Four. We have Penske over in IndyCar. Um, we have the Ducati MotoGP team, um, who won obviously the, who won the Triple Crown in MotoGP this season, and Red Bull Racing. Where well, we all know that Red Bull had one of the best F1 seasons ever. 17 wins on the year en route to their first constructors title in nine years. Gentlemen, I think this is let's be honest here. I think this is a two horse for, I think this is a two horse race. <sighs> yeah, it, it feels that way. I mean, can make the case for both, honestly. Um, I'll start with Ducati. Ducati has built an absolute weapon of a motorcycle and employed a bunch of weapon riders. It's, but mm. they left a lot of they left so many points on the table, team and riders, that I can't get there with them because mm. they had the potential to be even better. There's a point a you can make there. There's a point you can make there. Ducati was a bit ropey to start off the year. It's like they couldn't choose which bike was the good one, and then it turned out that they they got their shit together in the second half of the year, and that's when they really came through and ran a train on Fabio Quattararo, um, the one man wrecking crew basically that tried to, to hold on to his lead and just couldn't do it down the stretch. Red Bull Racing, as mentioned. 17 wins on the year. Um 15 ass whooping. Yeah, like they 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 bitch, they whine, they moan, they put the sport into disrepute, but they are damn good at what they do on the track. Yeah, I mean the 20 for all the talk going into this season about how much Red Bull focused on 2021 and they did. Um, and, and knew he kind of talked at length about it this week that they did spend too long on last year. And uh, the RB18 was still over 10 kilos overweight to end the season. Like, huh? <laughs> they, there's still a, probably a good half a second just sitting in that car as a result of it being overweight, which is just a terrifying prospect. But that speaks to the quality of the work that was done everywhere else on that car. Um, I mean, they were the problem solvers this year. They were able to get the car to stop porpoising pretty much in preseason testing while other teams were still dealing with it, you know, past the summer break, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. uh, and once they got through their reliability issues early on with their fuel system, uh, there was a short time where Max Verstappen either won or DNF'd, and he started winning a lot more than he was DNFing. Yeah, that happened quite quickly. Um, it wasn't ideal, to say the least. Um, whew. so RJ, what do you, what do you make of the uh, landscape here? Um, I see Penske, a team that was in terms of the whole series, they were a cut above in the rest. Will Power won the championship. Scott McLaughlin, most approved driver. Justin Newgard had the most wins. They can just get the Indianapolis 500 sorted out. Prima power team, not just an Italian up for across the entire Formula Four landscape. Won the Italian Formula Four championship. Yes. Also won the German and the United Arab Emirates Formula 4 championships. Andrea Antonelli won two of those three. He's a bit good. Uh, I don't think either one of these teams are going to get it, though. 
I think it's Red Bull Racing. That's one of the best seasons they had from a team that not too long ago, I thought didn't have that initiative in them anymore. They proved me wrong. What a good season. Those insufferable mother... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Red Bull loves to play the villain, but when you keep winning, I guess it works for you. They do indeed. Uh, Team of the year, Red Bull Racing, everybody. On their behalf, Christian Horner and Maxwell Jacob Frieden are going to cut a joint cameo uh, promo of some kind. I don't know. I guess they'd both be available on cameo sometime if we dig up enough money out of the out of the Patreon budget. Can we make that happen? I'll, I'll, I'll get to work on the interest rates. The next award is the Beat 'em Down Award for the most impressive driving on two or four wheels over the course of the year. The nominees are Scott McLaughlin at St. Petersburg and Portland. We have Scott Dixon's Indy 500 pole position. Good lord above. What a fucking four-lap average. Oh, yeah. Um, this, Max Verstappen's entire season, which, yeah, fair. Or, and more specifically, Max Verstappen in Belgium, which, fun fact, almost half the ballots were for Max Verstappen in Belgium. Sheesh! Well... Kind of a foregone conclusion. We'll go through the nominees first. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Scott Dixon's poll run. What the about hell? <laughs> that what? first lap was the lap scene around the world. What was that? What what was that? <laughs> you know what Super that Saiyan. What is that? What even is that? It's this. You know what you know what that is? It's someone surpassing a pole position record that once belonged to the late Scott Brayton in 1996. That nobody in this era of spec form, a spec chassis, damn near spec engines, where IndyCar is trying to reduce the overall speeds of qualifying, and we have one of the fastest fields in years. We have the fastest field of all time, a year after we reset the record, and Scott Ditson goes out and breaks a record that will, that has stood for 26 years. I never thought that that was possible. Yes. They, I they know how this... that track. They redid that track in 96 to try and artificially jack the speeds up. The, the best part of that entire run, and by the way, this is probably my single... F- like best moment of motorsport for me all year was two moments. One where when Lee Diffie sees the first lap and screams 234.4 miles an hour and we're all in shock as to what we've just seen. And Alex Polo, who they had a camera cut on him the whole way through because he was the current pole sitter at that point. And Paul, I would put together this otherworldly run, basically 233 and a half, which is one of the greatest qualifying runs ever by any measure. <laughs> and all he could do was turn around and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, well, well that's that then, isn't it? Because you know Paul was just such a, a nice statistic, guy. A statistic that could only happen at Indianapolis. And a four-lap average speed of 234.046 miles per hour. It's ridiculous. It is utterly ridiculous. I mean, Scott McLaughlin. I mean, it, it's up there at St. Pete in Portland and how he held on to those wins. But 
I, I feel a, I'd be doing him a disservice if I didn't mention Alex Polo at Laguna Seca. Oh my God, dude went, he, he went primal on this field. Indeed. It was Indeed. almost, it was, you had to look away in horror because he was cracking out laps that were at times like seven tenths clear of everybody. I think he knew in the back of his mind that everything was going to be all right. But more on that in a future awards segment. Oh, yeah. Um, look, we, we, we acknowledge that Max Verstappen's season was ridiculous, but the, 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 I think it's fair to say, and I think it's fair to say our award winner is Max Verstappen in Belgium because that was the that was like the cherry on top. And that's when we knew this season, I think, was effectively over. Max yeah, Verstappen, I mean... Verstappen started the Belgian Grand Prix from 14th on the grid. He was leading by lap 18. Hold won... on. Hold on to that for a second. Hmm. In qualifying, the actual pole time was a 144.297. Now, that was set by Carlos Sainz Jr., but that was not the fastest time that was set in qualifying. Max had an engine penalty because he clocked in a 143.665. I'm so glad everybody agrees on who should be considered the pole sitter, especially while we have two different race formats. Sorry, side tangent. This was a damn good race from him. Yeah. He started 14th. He won from his teammate who started second by nearly 18 seconds. There was times where he was lapping over one and a half seconds clear of everyone not in a Red Bull. Ridiculous. Utterly, utterly insane. That was that was the pack it up, it's time to go home race from Max Verstappen. If there was any question at that point where the championship was going, it, 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 that was it. It was it was the kill shot for the entire 22F1 season. We just sat there and going, well, this is not going to be a matter of Max Verstappen with the title. It's going to be a matter of when does Max Verstappen win the title? That's it was wrong, Dre. Actually, he took the lead on lap 12 because Ferrari had pitted signs as a bit of a white flag to try anything, get him on fresh tires and not get undercut. Yeah, it's wild. I think he would have won won this race anyway if they didn't have a safety car. Thank you, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, oh yeah, with ease. Indeed, just Jason put it in the chat quite rightly. It's the Vince Carter "Let's Go Home" three sixty windmill at the two thousand dunk contest. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen, and friends outside the binary. Your winner of the Beat 'Em Down Award, Max Verstappen in Belgium. Everybody. Okay, so and an now... honorable mention because somehow it didn't even make the the awards. The factory Honda at the Suzuka eight hours. Oh yes, folded. Who they folded Jonathan Ray like a lawn chair. It got. Where the hell do we get to say that, dude? That's wild. Setsuna Nakashima got an overdue MotoGP cup of coffee out of that. Oh, yeah. it didn't go out well because Honda, but yeah, he pulled eleven seconds on Jonathan Ray in one stint. Yeah. Who does that to Jonathan Ray? Nobody. He's Jonathan Ray. It's, it's, it's not supposed to happen. The, the, the greatest superbike rider of all time got his ass handed to him. And I mean, that's just, well, it was basically World Superbike 2022 season, to be honest. But besides that, um, yes, your award is the giant fist from the SmackDown set of the early 2000s. So <laughs> I'm going to jump off of that. Wait a minute. Can I, can I do like a honey dip dunk since we're talking about Vince Carter? Can I do a honey dip dunk off the SmackDown fist? Yes, you can. Beautiful. Next Only if we get your ass in AK. Yeah. So 
Now we move to series of the year. It's straightforward. This is the one where you thought, what was the best racing series of the year? It could have been anything. It could have been Formula One. It could have even been some like local short track racing league or anything in between. And the nominees are MotoGP. And I must admit, for, for comedy's sake, I'll reveal this. Can you guess who the one person was who sent in that ballot? Yes, it was Lewis Sotheby, everybody. <laughs> no, Lewis. God bless him. Lewis, we love you, but not this year, buddy. Um, Formula 3 is in the nomination list. We have Super GT, and we have IndyCar, which, again, got an overwhelming number of ballots this year. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. F1 probably missed out a fair amount here. Like, I, I, I had thought about nominating. Somehow, no one nominated Formula 1. I'm stunned. This was a really good F1 season in terms of actual race quality. <laughs> I had but, thought about it. Yeah, I thought about it like, too. But like at the same time, it's Formula One, so... Yeah. 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 I mean, RJ, you, you put Super GT here. you got to talk about Super GT for a bit it, at least. Well, look, even if, there, even if it's not a season that has a five-star race, the races are consistently between three and four stars. Golden Week race at Fuji this year, notwithstanding. That was a bit of a shit show. But every race that ran a completion was a solid three and a half, four, four and five, four point five star race. Uh, it was another competitive season with compelling storylines. CalSonic Team Impul wins their first championship in 27 years. GT300's championship fight goes all the way to the last lap of the season in a battle for fifth place because the team that won Condo Racing were already out of it after they lost the wheel. They thought their championship chances were done up until the last lap of the season. It was great stuff. And I'm not, I didn't even mention the fact that Impul with Kazuki Hiromine, who is one of the most fortunate souls ever to be in a GT500 drive. And Bertrand Baguette, IndyCar fans, remember him? Mm. They drove from 15th to win the Suzuka 450 kilometers, despite going off at 130R, not once, not twice, but three times, and then almost getting wiped out after the crossover underneath the bridge going into the hairpin while trying to chase down the leader. Mm. It's just astonishing. I love this series. I will is a one series that I will work for free to go. I, you should never do this, by the way, but it's the one that I always will. IndyCar folks, I mean, this it was, was real a, good. It was a really good IndyCar season this year. Maybe again, maybe it didn't have a five star race, the, the a headline race that stood out. But I thought the entire month of May was awesome. Um, from Dixon's pole run to Ericsson's shock win. Um, well, it shouldn't really have been a shock if you'd, if you'd actually been watching the month of May, but mm -hmm. still, it was a minor shock. The title it race... A, it was a shock to see Dixon throw it all away. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and the title... Like, this was the best title fight in motorsport, in my opinion, all year. We had six or seven names at one point that were genuine contenders pretty much all the way to the final three rounds where they had to start shaving names off the list, but Padua Ward, all of the Penske's, all of the Chip Ganassi cars. Like, it was an incredible title fight that went all the way down to the wire. Will Power were coming through at the end. And even then, like, the the, the titles that had Joseph Newgarden throw 
everything at the wall in Laguna Seca to try and steal one at the end, including a dive bomb on his own teammates <laughs> at the corkscrew of all places. Um, half the half the series going rules for thee, but not for me at Romain Grosjean. Oh, the the, the executive order was carried out on uh, Romain Grosjean over the course of the, like like the the gloss of his appearance had worn off very quickly. Um, for you can't me, come over here and race us like that. Only we can race us like that. Mm, mm, I, I'd say so. Um, and again, like as Chris in the chat points out, most overlooked 500 winner in a while. Everybody was paying attention to Dixon, Pelot, Kanan, and Jimmy, but nobody did so for Ericsson. Um, and as Don points out, Tony Kanan finishing third at the age of one million. <laughs> you, <laughs> you leave Tony Kanan alone. Um, okay, he's only you leave, you leave you leave Vin Diesel alone. Okay, <laughs> he brought Brittany Griner home. That, that, that's that's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> Can I just say as well? Um, Formula Three is a solidly underrated pick. Like, yes, the, yes, the finish to the championship was crummy. Well, it was more than a little bit fucky. But eighteen races, eleven different winners. Great Close title, yeah. Great championship. Um, yeah. you could you could reasonably argue that the champion probably wasn't even the pound for pound best driver all season. Yeah, indeed. Maybe indeed. Are we going with IndyCar here, folks? I'm sticking with IndyCar. I think we. I think uh, RJ's been overall two to one on this one. Unlucky big man. IndyCar, your series of the year, everybody. Everybody goes and fades the IndyCar series all show and then gives it series of the year. You fair weather mother. Because the on track product is always good, even if literally every other aspect of the series from top to bottom is a complete train wreck. Yes. That's the perfect way of summing it up. That is actually camels on the nose there. Now we get to some of the fun stuff. The, neg the Never Log Off Award for the meme of the year and for all the funny stuff we saw in in, in, uh, in the land of motorsport this year. The nominees are, first up, Ducati's Valencia Celebrations. Lewis, <laughs> I'm coming after you. Racing Twitter versus reality, Cam Buckley. I think that's basically F1 Twitter, essentially. Oh, no, th this is all of racing Twitter encompassing all series. You're Indeed. all guilty. Um, the infamous NASCAR commercial of Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney saving at the pump <laughs> from RJ O'Connell. The, the pump? He saved at the pump. Um, and Oscar Piastri's tweet <laughs> that he wasn't joining <laughs> the Alpine Formula One team, which at time of reading has been liked 387,000 times. The, for those who didn't miss it, quote, I understand that without my agreement. Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. <laughs> Instant meme template. Because oh, Because immediately after everybody has to send out like a like a tweet basically cribbing that entire speech we are now in the era of two-factor authentication uh driver and team announcements oh this yeah. is where we're at now this is where we're at now and it went viral i, I saw borussia dortmund the football club copy that meme format <laughs> 
like, am I fair in saying, folks, there's only one winner here and it's Oscar Piastri's tweet? No, because Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, shilling advanced auto park speed perks by telling you how you can save at the pump. The pump? The pump! He's saving the pump, bro! Man, I love a good echolalia that gets stuck in your head like a brain boa constrictor. That was one of the more wholesome moments of NASCAR off the track all season. Not even close for me. It still holds up at the end of the year. I don't know if it has uh, another year in it, but man, what a what a good meme. Uh, I'd like to roll Oscar Piastri's into my nomination because holy shit. <laughs> Racing Twitter, not just the fans, but the brands and the teams themselves are all guilty. <laughs> there was so much nonsense on the timeline this year. So many conspiracies, so many hashtags. I'm a personal fan of uh, Flexi Floor Stabbing. You know, yeah. that, that technical directive really worked out for y'all, didn't it? Yeah, um, I, I, I preferred cost capping, personally. Cost uh, capping. That, that, that was uh, a hashtag, genuinely good one. Hashtag F1 fixed. The mm. um, winnest. Winnest. Oh, my good. Oh, fuck F me. It was so, just racing Twitter versus the ongoing re factor of reality. Everyone. Oh was living in their own fantasy world this year, including Oscar Piastri and his glorious tweet. Advantage locked in for years. <laughs> that advantage was never locked in, and you do, in fact, need a wind tunnel to see it. Versnacken? Versnacken. <laughs> the catering! The catering! Yeah. <sighs> it's, 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 a, it's a lesson in the, like, yes... There are people with influence that have social media accounts and can wield it for good or bad reasons. But by a large part, you know, we're tuned in a lot of just like terminally online people. A lot of a lot of racing fans don't think like this or at the very least don't act like this in public run other people. Well, hmm. unfortunately, uh, with the ongoing uh, battle of Twitter versus reality, they love taking those things that have nothing to do with the people we actually follow and dumping them on our timeline for engagement. Right. Who's your final pick, folks? Um, I'm sticking we're with saving mine. At the pump. I, 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 have to, I have to stick with the racing Twitter versus the ongoing concept of reality. That was going to be one of my many uh, Golden Cock nominees I was thinking about in all honesty. I'm, I'm staving at the pump. I'm going to continue to save at the pump until I can no longer save at the pump. Until I switch to EVs. I am going to go with Cam Buckley racing Twitter versus yeah! reality. This was the year that I think everybody tried a bit too hard on the social medias. Everybody needs to log off and touch some grass. And you but know, this is the Never Log Off Award. This goes against the entire concept of the award. And that's why it's won. Our winner is a our winner is the F is racing Twitter versus reality. Their prize is a portion of grass from Old Trafford Football Club. There you go. <laughs> Feel free to touch it as you put out your next toxic meme. Next up, we have the Secret Base Collapse Award. <laughs> Not affiliated with SB Nation or Vats Media. Uh, uh, we love you guys who work for him. But the award given for the biggest downfall or own goal this season. And oh boy, we got some names here. In the red corner, Mercedes Formula One team. We have Ooh. the Hods. It's back again. Scuderia Ferrari. 
we have Fabio Quadraro's MotoGP Championship lead, <laughs> and we have Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> you people are mean. You are can, mean people. <laughs> can you collapse if you've already collapsed and are on the ground in a puddle? Yes, we can. We, you can always sink lower. Do you see why I abstain from nominating uh, Ferrari for the Floppy Award? Because this is the award that is spiritually theirs. This is the award because, because they had it. You know, they win the first race of the season. They win two of the first three. And everybody is sipping that delicious, glorious, cherry-flavored red lean with spaghetti marinara sauce involved. And it's a great time. And then by about the summer, they're the main character of every Formula One race because of how far they will go to throw away their advantage over Red Bull or anybody else in the field. They only get two more wins out of the season, and they are damn lucky to finish second in the Constructors with Charles Leclerc. Damn lucky to hold on a second at the Drivers' Championship. I mean, look. Ferrari, too. I made the point earlier with Mercedes, and this can basically extend to the Mercedes portion of this nomination. Mm. They sacrificed... They were forced into sacrificing all of 2020. They sacrificed 2021. But Ferrari built an extremely fast car. A car that was relatively easy to set up. A car that was just unbeatable in the first race of the year. Could have won the second. Did win the third. And that's as good as it got. Mm. And it's not just that they lost. It's not just that they lost by a chasm of a margin it's that they were they were in their lab discovering new ways to lose developing pulling new failures from the ether they were Steph Curry whipping shots from every direction and they're all going in but they're all going into the trash <laughs> that's an impassioned speech um, they stink. <laughs> They're losers. They're born losers. And even when they build a brilliant car and have two brilliant drivers, that genetic failure, that failure that is ingrained into Ferrari as a culture comes through. I, I want to give an honorable mention to Fabio Quadraro, who had a 91 point lead over Francesco Bagnaia halfway through the season this year and ended up almost a race back. Oh, Fabio. He gave it the old college try. He really did. He, he really did. And it, that led to him overdoing it, and that led to him crashing, and that led to the, the comeback happening even faster than it had any real right doing. I'm not even going to get into Daniel Ricciardo. I think I'm right in saying, given the way that my two co-hosts have already nominated and given they generally have stuck to their picks today, the winner of the Collapse Award Goes to the haunts itself. Scuderia Ferrari, everybody. Ding, 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 ding. Hods, haunts, haunts, super haunts, haunts, super, super haunts. <laughs> Your winner of the Collapse Award this year. Um, sadly, as a result, you have to watch uh, every episode of the Fumble Dimension in a row. That is their punishment. Nope. No, oh, you have to. You have to try and make your hundred mile long commute to work in the nineteen eighty nine Ferrari F one car. 
Oh. No. no, what you have to do in the spirit of the of the Fumble Dimension and Dorktown and other great uh, products of the Secret Base Universe is you have to walk from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. Oh, no. Oh, a fate worse than death. Um, you have to walk because your Ferrari broke down. Next up is the OSW Championship Award for the best fight of the year, be it on or off the track. The nominees are Lewis Hamilton versus the Jewelry Rule. <laughs> oh, this is going to go down well on Twitter, isn't it? Um, you can tell already. The Honda RC213 versus their riders. <laughs> I wonder who nominated that one. I'll give you a hint. It was Cam Buckley. Um, that's not a hint. That's just telling them. <laughs> Shut up, Cam. <laughs> Charles Leclerc versus Max Verstappen in Bahrain. And Perez, Leclerc, and Hamilton's triple threat match at Silverstone. Ooh. Well, personally, uh, I feel slighted that uh, my nominee for the best fight, uh, encoded in glorious grapple vision and encoded in blast processing, uh, did not make it. Uh, there was a uh, there was a fight in a chain race at Bowman Gray Stadium that involved a driver <laughs> in, a driver unbuckling himself to flip somebody off from across the cabin of his car, and then somebody getting suplets pile driven through their own back windscreen. Yeah, that was that, that was quite the video, I have to say. Um I, I do love the, how crazy racing Twitter got over Lewis Hamilton having to take his studs out to racing and just how much it blew up over the course of the year. Um you guys wanted the rules to be more strictly enforced. Well, here you go, but no, not like this. Um it got to a point where Hamilton was given extensions. It never, it, you know, to get it sorted out because he claimed that two were quote difficult to remove, which made us all think he had a Prince Albert. Which I thought that was a funny week. Um, <laughs> but you see so, what I mean about racing Twitter versus reality. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a thing, and um, and then he, he would later go on in Vanity Fair to say that the whole thing was a joke, just to try and get a rise out of people. Um, and then he brought it back for Singapore, got a doctor's note, and then it was all over. And Twitter lost their collective minds. That was worked my nomination. Worked it us all. Worked us to the bone. That's it why was... he's the goat. Indeed. Um, what a guy. Um, I'm probably going to move mine over. I mean, Cam, we've already talked about. We've already talked enough about Honda, and you know how that bike was dreadful with every with all of its riders. It wasn't just that it was slow. It's that it was a legitimate danger to. The riders riding it and the riders around it. Um, what did Mark have? Four crashes at round two to the point where eventually he landed on his head and was out for the next couple of races. Yeah, Diplopia. Um, he, he had a second round of double vision. What a guy. Um, yeah, wild to say the least. We've also got Leclerc versus Verstappen in Bahrain, and that was a great fight. Genuinely a great on-track fight. Sure, I'd, That's I'd, a damn good fight. I'd argue the Saudi Arabian one was just as good, if not even better. Um, that was a you know they they the means are the ends are the, excuse me the means are terrible, but the ends oh, oh yeah. the ends are exquisite. <laughs> or are we going through goes Hamilton feathers because that was a. Uh, that was we talked about it enough already on the show, but that was a hell of a fight as it is. So, gentlemen, who's your pick for the OSW Championship belt? Happy days are here again. I believe that it should be the Perez versus Leclerc Hamilton triple threat match, which I thought should have been one of the honorable mentions of the Golden Melon Award. 
absolutely valid shout, Cam. Uh, I'm going to stick with the two, the RC213V versus anyone attempting to ride it. I get to break the tie again. I'm going to go with the winner of the OSW Championship belt. And as a reward, has to watch One Night in Sunny. The winners <laughs> are going to be... The triple threat match at Silverstone between Perez, Leclerc, and Hamilton. Their reward will be having to listen to David Croft saying through goes Hamilton a hundred times in a row. No, their reward is going to have to be uh, David Croft doing a live commentary track of One Night in Sunny. Oh, no. <laughs> a new if... Golden Cock nominee, RJ O'Connell. Oh, God. Right at the oh, end. Bo oh, boy. Here Speak we go. Speaking is... of which. <laughs> Here we go. The Golden Cock Award, the it, mildly prestigious award, otherwise known as the Fallon Door, for the absolute worst of motorsport this year. Now, if you follow us closely, you will know that friend of the show, Zoe Hamilton, presented a trophy that was called the Golden Cock. But here we like to say that that is not the official Golden Cock Award. This mm. is the M101 Gordon Cock Award. That trophy, that was a that was a made up trophy. Oh, yeah. It didn't happen. The nominees mm. for the Golden Cock. Jim from New York. For our... our, for our I don't, Cam is currently hollering in the background and pumping his fist. Um, the, we could have the first retention of the Golden Cock due to Glickenhaus here. Um, they're on the nomination ballot again for existing. Um, oh, not just existing, Dre. Mm. This got almost goofy this year where mm. such was the extent of the BOP complaining from Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus that they ended up getting the ACO to strap another couple of moons to the Toyota mm. to no avail because the SCG 007 broke out of every example of race. It was actually uh, contending to win. And his since been making a threat to IMSA that if they don't allow his car to race at the upcoming Rolex 24 at Daytona, he would file a legal injunction against the race to prevent it going on unless he's allowed to race in it. Good luck with that. Yep. Next up, Alicia Spargaro for failing to count the right amount of laps in Catalonia. <laughs> oh, oh, Aleish. One lap short, my friend. Um... He miscounted. Those who didn't see him earlier, GB this year, Alessio Spagro on the final lap, or so he thought was the final lap of the Catalonia Grand Prix, miscounted and slowed down when he crossed the finish line with one lap to go, and he did not realize that the race was still going, and he dropped from second to fifth as a direct result. Well, um, also... Scuderia Ferrari is back again. The Hans could double up here. Ding, 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 ding. For the Golden Cock. But, um, and we have one more nomination. Zach Brown for contract-related shenanigans. Oh, boy. Um, gentlemen, I mean, we can't talk about the story of motorsport this year without talking about Zach Brown and his attempts to basically shoehorn Oscar Piastri into his F1 seat while basically cock-teasing multiple IndyCar drivers into potentially driving that car next year. <laughs> he had uh, he had pre-contracts signed with three quarters of the racing world. 
I know. I think I think RJ still is on is technically on the McLaren's books. Wait, what? Exactly. Th- so, are they giving me a new Artura out of this? Well, well, <laughs> I, I don't even want the F1 test. I just want to. I just want to look at a McLaren F1. <sighs> like very like. Half a dozen papaya-related handshakes given out here, and the one of the biggest stories in auto motorsport this year was the Alex Polo contract dispute that was precipitated by Zach Brown talking to a man who he thought was not on the contract at the end of the season, but turns out still was, and it led to all hell breaking loose in IndyCar's coverage over the course of the season. And then, of course, the Daniel Ricciardo shenanigans. Then, of course, the Pato Award shenanigans. The Colton Herter shenanigans. Oh, it all circles back to this. Um, will they or won't they enter uh, prototype racing? Uh, will they or won't they enter FE? It actually will. Yeah, uh, they will. Going forward. Will they or won't they kick Felix Rosenquist, who is having a phenomenal bounce-back season, over to Formula E, which... I'm not saying that that's a demotion, but when Felix Rosenquist is finding his form, you don't want to pull him out of that environment. <laughs> at well, least, uh, at least uh, Alexander Rossi and Colton and Pato Awards new contracts were pretty straightforward. Speaking of bailing out of an environment, Andreas Seidel, who just jumped ship to get out of McLaren to go run the Sauber Audi organization. Hell of a coup for Alfa Romeo, I must say. Now in the hands of former McLaren driver's engineer, Andreas Stella. It really does go back to Ferrari, doesn't it? It really does. Always. Gentlemen, where are we going with this one? I I did something strange this year. I abstained from voting for the Golden Cock. Because if I sat down and just thought about like all the weird and bad stuff that happened in the world of motorsport, whether it was the bad faith social media discourses, whether it was Bubba Wallace's retaliation wreck on Kyle Larson, inviting Ooh. everybody to just expose the worst of themselves on NASCAR Twitter, mm. whether it was the fortnight of drivers saying dumb shit. Nelson PK was the only one that suffered any real consequences. Formula One, just, Formula Two just threw up their hands like, we can't do anything about Yuri Vipsy's pain to be there. All we asked for was that, like, Jamie Chadwick at least apologize for <laughs> endorsing a milk horse form of gender exclusion in sport, and we didn't even get out of that, out, out of that. So when I th- sat down and thought about it, I realized, like, no, I can't pick any one thing that was just terrible. I just decided... It's all bad, and I don't want to choose. Y'all can have this one. Great, great. RJ just nominated motorsport itself for the Golden Cock. <laughs> the entire sport, which, to be fair, is actually you know, a actually, contender. I may have to go with him. I may have to. <laughs> it's your call, Cam. Oh. Nah, I have to keep it narrowed down. Look, Zach Brown looked like a straight-up idiot in the middle of this year. Um, was so desperate to get out of the Daniel Ricciardo situation, which, let's be honest, given McLaren's current, you know, their current technical situation, with them more or less being in limbo until their wind tunnel comes up and running in the next couple of years, they're kind of, you know, partially responsible for. He ended up signing a contract with half of the motorsport world and throwing multiple teams in multiple different branches of motorsport into disrepute as a result. 
Mm. just by dangling a Formula One drive that none of them were ever going to realistically get in front of everyone's face. Right. And I, I'm i going to go with Cam on this one as well. Um, the winner of the Golden Cock for 2022, Zach Brown, everybody. That's right. We presented it early at Portland. We yeah. knew that, this, that Zoe Hamilton had the foresight to give this award in advance because this was always the Golden Cock Award. It was, and uh, we say a sincere thank you to Felix Rosenquist, who genuinely accepted the trophy on Zach's behalf. Thank you, Felix. Uh, this is sport. not this is not the reason why Felix Rosenquist is likely a free agent next year, but it is kind of a coincidence. Okay, big okay. one. Starting with the Jason Dupasquier Memorial Award for the Motorcycle Rider of the Year. A lot of great candidates have come out. It was this is one of the closest nominees that we had. Oh, and this 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 is going to be a hard one, I reckon. The nominees for the Rider of the Year go to Francesco Bagnaia for Ducati's MotoGP team, Isang Guevara from Moto3, the new Moto3 world champion, Anea Bastianini, um, fourth in the championship this year in MotoGP, and Alicia Spargaro for Aprilia Racing, who was fourth in the championship this year. Um, this is a tough one. This is a genuinely hard one here. Banyaya, Guevara, Bastianini, and Alicia Spargaro. Where are you we going on this, fellas? You know who I'm surprised didn't make the list? Alvaro? Alvaro Bautista. Yeah. Who won a very close World Superbike fight. So become well, champion. You see, RJ, he's just too light. You know? <sighs> what a terrible bad faith argument. Yeah, like, it's... it's, it's yeah, Scott Redding can um, uh, suck a fat one for that one, as far as I'm concerned. Um, just the mother of all bad faith arguments. Um, this is a tough one. I Part of me wants to go Banyaya because he had a bad start. Part of me wanted to go Alicia Spargo for dragging Aprilia from nowhere and finally getting the credit he deserves. Um, for bringing a prettier into play. I mean, this 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 is a factory that was nowhere for years, and the laughing stocks of the sport for half a decade. And Alech dug in, worked with his team, developed a hell of a machine, and genuinely became a title contender. A guy that had never even won a Grand Prix on his two hundredth start finally did in Argentina and would go on to score six podium finishes en route to finishing in the top five of the championship over the course of the year. And we think they left enough on the table where he had a genuine shot at the title this year. Uh, it's it's hard. We've mentioned Bastinini earlier and how great he was in, in yeah, the surprise factor. He was in the Ducati. Va the, va the valleys were low, but the peaks were extraordinary. And again, he's doing this all with a satellite Ducati team who were the Aprilia factory team and suffered for years and years of consequences. Mm. They'd also hardly been able to get a break. They lost arguably the most talented riding prospect they had in Marco Simoncelli a while ago. They lost mm. Fausto Grassini, their founder due to illness and they have Bastianini. We don't know what to expect out of him, but wow, mm. he was spectacular. He would have been a worthy champion. I think he'll be a worthy champion down the line, but I wanted to make sure that he got his flowers. That's why I nominated him. Indeed. And Ethan Guevara, who 
pretty much dominated the second half of the Moto3 season. Um, it's practically flawless. Yeah, he completed the Spanish clean sweep. He won all four races. In Spain. I think that's the first time ever happened in Moto3 where a guy's won all four races in Spain. Um, and yeah, um, this was a very tough top-end Moto3 field. His own teammate, Sergio Garcia, was the biggest threat out there. And I genuinely thought Garcia was going to win the championship this year. And Guevara... You know, took the took the reins after the summer break and never really looked back. He was at times virtually unstoppable. He reminded me a lot of some of those Miguel Oliveira wins in Moto Three, where he was just race crafting the ever loving shit out of people. Do you um, remember last year, Dre, when we were talking about like who's going to be the next big prospect? And uh, and before Pedro Acosta won for pit lane and did what he did, he was not the guy everybody was talking about. It was that Guevara. was Ethan Guevara. It was Guevara mm-hmm. who had won the Red Bull Rookies Cup that year. Um, yeah, we all kind of forgot about Guevara in this one. So, gentlemen, are we sticking to our picks here or are we changing our minds? Where are you going for, for rider of the year? I mean, we can all, none of us like what happened with Francesco Bagnaia away from the track. It wasn't like the most heinous. Thing that could have happened, but still getting DUI while you're an active race driver, not necessarily good luck, but you got to hand it to him. When Fabio Cordero left the door open, Francesco Ragnaia drove through it and became the rider that we all thought he would be. I'm switching my pick and that's why I'm nominating Francesco Ragnaia. Cam. And I'm not. <laughs> because... As much as Banyaya did improve this year, he still left just an overwhelming amount of points on the table. There was a fair amount of this year where he either won or crashed. He was the ultimate podium or DNF man for much of the season. Mm. He did clean that up later on, along with the rest of Ducati. But this championship should have never been the comeback that it was. Right. It's a very fair point. To counter that... Aprilia doesn't belong here. Aprilia almost sniffed a championship this season. Mm. They won their first race, which I called in preseason. And again, they were in it for so much longer than they had any right to be because Aleish was so consistent on the year. Mm. And really, it only went out of control for them was with a couple of really just massive screw-ups from the team. Yeah, the the, the miscounting in, 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 in Catalonia was one thing. It was nowhere near as bad as the Japan and the engineer leaving the bike in fuel-saving mode. That was an absolute crippler. Um, yeah, there's that, a double whammy late on of that, and then uh, a double technical DNF for Aprilia to finish out the season that mm. had, had so much promise in, in the midsection. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll let you in a little secret here. Lewis Sodeby made a very compelling argument to me for Ezen Guevara on the phone last time I had a chat with him, and I, I was very close to changing my mind on this. But I'm going to stick with my original pick and the Jason Dupasquier award winner for the Rider of the Year, Aprilia's Aleish Aspargaro. <laughs> and now Kevin Walsh is leaving our server and blocking all of us. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's checked out. He's checked out for the year. But as as Cam perfectly alluded to, 
if you had said to me two years ago that Aprilia was going to be a genuine title contender and was on the brink of finishing second in the riders in the, in the team's championship, I would have said you were on narcotics. They choked second in the team's championship with that double DNF. Yeah, they should they have had been it second. under lock. Yeah, KTM stole their lunch money at the final race. It, it, they should have finished second. Like Also, we were all incredibly disrespectful to Brad Bender because Brad Bender as well, the Lord doing his own work on that KTM. I know if King was here with us right now instead of in that big uh, Gizmondo office in the sky looking down <laughs> on us from uh, from from uh, from from another Jim's office far above in heaven. He's still very much with us, but Brad Bender probably would have made that list. It, it was tough. It was mm. tough. Not so much the driver of the year. Indeed. That's our final award. So final award, kind of. Um, shout out to as mentioned Brad Binder. Jason points out in the chat. Brad Binder did get two votes. The cutoff was three. So Binder very nearly made the list, funnily enough. So yeah, like look, we rate Brad Binder to the ends of the earth. The man is the shit. Um He's just drive- gotta go out there and pass some fucking bikes. Anyway, oh, yeah. driver. He of the passed year. a lot of bikes. He did. Uh driver of the year nomination. I feel like this one is kind of academic, but we'll run through the nominees anyway. The nominees are Raffaele Marcello over in the World of Sports Car Racing. <sighs> Callie Roven. Callie Roven Pera. Um, another a, solid pick. Another solid pick. Will Power out of IndyCar this year, and some guy called Max Verstappen. Um, de- de- decent season, you know. Yeah, pretty um, decent. I'll I'll cut to the chase here, folks. Um, I believe two out of the three of us went for Max. Mm, I don't think we're changing our mind, but uh, RJ, you've got to you got to give your shine to Caddy Roven Power here, right? Because that right. was your pick. Um, that was uh let me give a let me give a shout out to the two people that got one nomination at least. Raphael Marcello in GT3 racing is on another level. He is one he won the spot 24 hours, I believe. He won did he win Bathurst? I know I saw him win the Indianapolis eight hours in one of the most incredible final hour battles he had with Fellow former Ferrari Driver Academy prospect Antonio Fuoco in a battle that came down to less than a second after eight hours of racing. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. I once thought this dude was going to make it in Formula One, but he was just a little bit too tall and a little bit too unlucky. But you know what? He's fine, Denise. If you are a hypercar manufacturer, sign this dude. Find a way to sign this dude immediately. Oh, he good. You know who else was good? The youngest World Rally champion in history, Cali Rovenpera. Mm. Just, I know it's just two factories and a glorified super privateer, but Cali Rovenpera be all these dudes. And he's, he's, he's so young. He's going to have so many more years of these. Oh, yeah. He runs the number 69 as well. I nice. like to think that nice. it's either a lovely tribute to Nikki Hayden or it's a wonderful meme. <laughs> is it too much to say it's both i think it's both it, it, it does he it does indeed um yeah just jb points out in our chat kanye was exceptional this year could have another 15 to 20 years and him frightening basically the um, dogs are barking because they they want to see these underdogs get their love yes indeed uh will willpower again just average finish in indycar this year i want to say it was 5.8 
from willpower this year. Absolutely remarkable consistency all year long in the series. Just racked up points on points on points and didn't even have a great 500. I think it was 15th at the 500. And then it just didn't matter. He was just racking up points all year long. Was always in contention pretty much all the way throughout the year. He didn't give any of his title rivals any room to breathe, and he gunned down Marcus Erickson down the stretch. It, it was phenomenal all year long. Any other year, I think you'd have a genuine shot at this one. But <laughs> I know where this is going. And I think we'll take it away. Uh, I think we all know where this is going. The yeah. Motorsport 101 Driver of the Year, Max Verstappen, everybody. <laughs> Let's. Run through Let's break down the stats here. Um, Started off with the big one. 15 wins in the season. A new single single season season record. record. Uh, 68.2% winning percentage. Uh, Fifth best winning percentage in F1 history. And the second best since 2005. Some dude named Sebastian is the only guy ahead of him. Hey. Uh, 17 podiums. 454 points, a new Mm. in-season record. He beat the next driver in the championship in Charles Leclerc by 146 points. Second biggest championship winning margin of all time. And somehow, kind of the only real disappointing stat, only eight pole positions. You know, he only got eight poles. Only eight. Only eight. Terrible season. Oh no, Charles Leclerc won the pole trophy because he had nine. What a shame. <laughs> um, He broke the field over his knee. Yep. Uh, he he won races that he had no right to win. Yeah. He was that guy. He was a fawn in your side. If you had to win a Grand Prix this year, chances are you had to run through him to, in order to do it. And we, like I said it before, the last two years have been Verstappen turning himself into you know, what we thought was a great prospect into genuinely one of the better racing drivers of all time. He's had 25 Grand Prix wins in the last two seasons. He's now got 36 as a driver before his 26th birthday. He's got another 10 to 15 years if he wants it himself. And right now, as long as Red Bull can keep their car competitive, which could be a challenge in the next couple of years or so, but in any case, there is very little to to criticize about Verstappen's game as a racing driver. He's ridiculous. (laughs) He is a cheat code. He he couldn't there, win there was anything two, on paper. There was now. two examples I can think of this year where he didn't score the most points that he possibly could have when the race started. Singapore, when he probably could have won, but blew it on a lockup trying to pass Lando. Mm. And should have had no shot in that race anyway, but had been brought back in with a safety car. And then Brazil, where Red Bull really just missed the setup, and then Max really overdrove got himself in trouble that he didn't need to pissed off his teammate for no reason. Mm. Um, otherwise he just was racking up points for days. Even you know, in the first half of the season when Red Bull perhaps wasn't uh, on top of their game with the car, he was making the difference. 
And then when they did address the weaknesses in the car and it turned into this, just this exceptional all around tool on race day, he was unstoppable. I think you can sum it up in the day that he won the championship this year at the Japanese Grand Prix. We completed 28 laps. He finished 27 seconds ahead of his teammate. Yeah. (laughs) The super phenomenal prospect is the super phenomenal prospect because they're good. It sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. It's it's tough to beat this guy. (laughs) He's he's incredible. He's an incredible talent. He's had two titled capable cars. And regardless of one's opinion on the uh, 2021 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. The one where Yuki Sonoda finished fourth? You're damn right he did. Yeah, that's Um, right. Right So the the books will say Max is two for two in title contending cars. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is ridiculous. Your Motorsport 101 Driver of the Year, Max Verstappen, everybody. And that'll do it. For the 2022 Motorsport 101 Award Show. That's right, Matt. The catering is on us. The catering is on us. I will. I, I didn't agree to this budget. Holy shit! I, look, I am going to gorge on white truffle. Um, like you. No. Like, like, like you wouldn't believe. Um, Drain the cost cap. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to play some Fortnite and eat a bunch of boneless wings, and my tummy will probably regret it. It's <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time for all involved. I just like to say. Before we get out of here, once again, huge thank you to Jason for putting the spreadsheet together and taking the ballots like he has done every time of these awards. He's done a phenomenal job as ever. So huge thank you to Jason for putting that all together for us. And thanks to all of you. This is probably going to be our final show of 2021. 22, I should say. Damn, I mean, it feels like 21 still, but it's, it's 2022, I can confirm. We don't know when Autosport is releasing its yearly top 50 as of yet. Hopefully is- never. <laughs> but it is sort of our yearly tradition that um essentially we, we <laughs> when he means we, we i mean i suffer through the live reaction to said list if that list drops there'll be one more episode but if not we'll be back in january to talk some formula e going into their third generation but i just wanted to say before we get out of here um thank you all for listening to our coverage across the 2022 season. It's been a bumpy ride for motorsport this year, so to speak, but we're just glad you chose to stick it with us more than anything else. Um, I won't even bother plugging the social media before we get out of town this year, because you know where to find us. Go back to the top of the show. Um, thank you guys for, for watching and listening along all year long. Um, and have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy the holiday season. Um, all the best for 2023 from all of us at Motorsport 101. And uh, thank you all for listening in. It's been an incredible year. Um, maybe not for all the right reasons, but but uh, we got there in the end. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you maybe for Christmas and all those sports top 50, but we'll keep you posted on that. Keep an eye on our social media for that. I'll get it out of the way quick. Motorsport 101 underscore 101 on Twitter at Harrison 101 HD at RJ O'Connell at CBuckby 917. Um, all of that. Our website, motorsport101.com as well. And uh, as Dom in our chat rightly points out, shout out to Haunts for existing. Uh, that was the Motorsport 101 Awards show. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Barkley. Have a wonderful Christmas. And we'll talk to you soon. Sayonara. Happy New Year, y'all.
still can't believe Dre called me a TMZ reporter. <laughs> That's a better. It's better than being with FTS. <laughs> Barely. 